0: Yo, what up? It me, another mobile homies, Instagram live, waiting on my guy, Fast Rock, check in with me, there he is, boom, how you doing man? Oh man, I'm, I'm good man, I'm good. For those uh, that don't know, this man is a Bay Area legend. Came up in the ranks in the 80s and 90s. Co-founder of one of the most influential hip-hop crews of all time. Co-founder of... God, such an important hip-hop group within that crew. From Oakland, California, this is Festo D of Souls of Mischief and Hieroglyphics. Respect. Clap it up. (laughs) Respect, respect. (laughs) So... A lot of people don't realize this, but you and I have been friends for over twenty years. I mean, they don't, yeah, man. Since I want to say like nineteen eighty-eight, eighty-nine,
1: eighty-eight. It got to be eighty-eight because that's when I first stepped stepped foot on St. Mary's campus where me and you first met. So,
0: right, right, and and oh. I would, <clears throat> I, and I, you know, at, at this point, I've done tracks with. I think almost all the member of like, I've done tracks with obviously with y'all with souls. I've done tracks with Dell. I've done tracks with, um, with, with cash. I don't think I did. I haven't done anything yet with pet love, but one thing that I was going to say was that, you know, and I've, I've had this conversation with other Bay area rappers, you know, uh-huh. and, and for, for Bay area rappers, native, to the bay area it really only boils down with it w- with some exceptions it really only boils down to four high schools you know skyline obviously you know, yeah skyline berkeley high no doubt odowd a little bit bishop odowd a little bit and then st mary's where you and yeah. I- right right
1: and st mary's has a lot of history just I mean, I know you, we, we always preference, I mean, we always frame things with hip hop, but like St. Mary's has just musical history just in general too. You know, a lot of people don't know that Denny Foster went there. Oh, yes. um, that's so, right. So that's a, that's, that's for a lot of people that don't know, that's the production team behind In Vogue and many other, many other Bay Area acts and not just Involved, but they, yeah, I mean, they put their stamp on a lot of stuff. So I always shout out, uh, Denny Foster, and uh, Thomas McElroy, yeah, as well.
0: So they both went to I center.
1: want to say it was Tommy. I want to say it was Tommy. I might. I'm sorry for that mistake. That's time. It was Tommy that went there.
0: And um, Ryan Coogler, the Black Ryan, Panther. Director. Of course, of course, Ryan Coogler.
1: Chris Hicks. Chris Hicks. A lot of people don't know Chris Hicks went there. A lot of that's people don't know that. I didn't even know that myself. I was like, you know, I met him later after I graduated. And right. I think Sean Granberry who we both know was like Chris went to I think we was playing an alumni game, alumni basketball game and Chris came out on the court I'm looking at Chris like, you know, I know him from the Loonies, you know what I mean? Because um right, because Yuck Mouth and uh Yuck Mouth and A Plus used to actually be roommates. So that's when I first met uh met uh met all of them. Right. Um right. and so, you know, I knew him through them, but he came out on the court with a Saint Mary's jersey on. I'm like, you went to Saint Mary's? He's like, Hell yeah, I went to Saint Mary. So yeah, man. I mean, you got the late great Shakir Stewart. We can't forget about him. He he was very influential in the industry, signed, you know, Rick Ross and and uh young Jeezy and Yeah. Put the pen on uh, uh Beyonce before Beyonce became Beyonce, you know.
0: Yeah, all Saint Mary's alumni, man. Yeah,
1: it's it's people I'm forgetting too. It's a couple of people I'm forgetting right now, so forgive me. <laughs>
0: what do you attribute that to? I mean, first and foremost, I mean, we're going to get into all the souls of mischief, all the high road stuff for sure, but it's important for people to know that there's this, there's sort of like this core group of schools that from that era, all these rappers came from, you know, and producers came from. I mean, what do you attribute that to those four schools?
1: Oh man. That's, I mean, Berkeley high, I can point to like, I think Berkeley high is just, it's the only public high school in Berkeley. So, that's a melting pot. And it's Berkeley High is almost like a college.
0: Right. So it's
1: kinda like a rite of passage when you go when you walk step onto that campus. I know because my sister went there, yeah. my uncle went there, my brother went there, you know, like I got so much so much family um history with Berkeley High. So okay. I know what it's like. Uh my mom on the other hand was like, No, <laughs> no way. You're not ready for that yet. So she sent us to a little little tighter situation. But um Skyline I think is a little bit of the same. Same thing too. You know, a lot of people that went with the skyline come from all over too. So they they come from mostly East Oakland, but you got different a different dynamic. So you got cats that come off the hill where I'm from, and and you got cats that's coming from the flatlands. So that's kind of like a, a melting pot as well. Right. Um, and St. Mary's, as you know, me and you both went there. You know, that's a melting pot because you got people coming from El Cerrito all the way to San Leandro and everything in between. Yeah. Um. So. I just think when you have a melting pot, you have a diversity of cultures, you have a diversity of experiences Mm -hmm. and all these people coming together.
0: And it's just like, it's just like steel sharpening steel, you know? Right. So when I met you, I just come from Berkeley high and I, and it was that, that exact experience, you know what I mean? And I just remember, and this is something that lived on with souls of mischief for a long time. Shout out
1: Oakland tech, shout out Oakland tech. Somebody who's like Oakland tech.
0: (laughs) (laughs) and this and, and um this is something that lived with souls for a long time because not only were you guys so obviously famous for the music you know and it was so groundbreaking at the time but you guys were also really popular for your style you know what i mean and 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 just as somebody that knows all four of you i point to you i point to you as the dude that was the genesis of that style, and, and I think it got touched on, you you know, in in the souls of Mister Doc. You know what I mean? Like, I think it was plus it was like, yeah, Fest was the one that probably had his hair cut by a professional barber <laughs> with a license. you know, it, which is totally true because I remember, you know, I think you were either one or two years below below me at St. Mary's, and I remember when when Fest started. And he's there on the courtyard. And I was I had the same conversation with the Grouch, man. And, and here's Fest. He got the double goops, the leather. <laughs> right. And you're gonna remember. I know you remember this day. I know you remember. this is the shit, this is the kind of shit that I remember. You had the brown bubble goose, leather with the fur collar, brown cross courts. <laughs> right brown bellies, ooh wee, oui. <laughs> and like a leather sweater, right? <laughs> With the leather, like just like you had just came from Eastmont Mall, right? Right. Like, just, like right, right. Like, like Eastmont Mall, like crack era Eastmont Mall, nineteen eight. You know what I well, mean? Well, see,
1: see, I got to credit my mom, man. I ca- You know what I mean? Like, because that was her spot. My Mall was my mom's spot. So, you know, I first of all, I wasn't allowed to go there by myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, especially, you know, 13, 14 years old, mom's just like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I got to go get something out of um, Mervyn's anyway. So you can come along with me if you want. And I'd be like, mom, can we, you know what I'm saying? Can we slide downstairs to Z-Man? You yeah. know, and that's where... Right, everything I had in that era was pretty much from Z-Man, and uh, you know, right across you had t So I could kind of kill two birds with one stone. I could go check in on the music, and then right. I could come back and look at all all the fresh kicks. Right, and um, and but yeah, I do. It's funny that you say that because I don't know if I remember that specific day, but I definitely remember that whole fit laid out on my bed <laughs> before school. You know, I think I said. That's one of those you set it out. You put the jacket down. you, yes. put the, you know, you put the jean. You know, everything was ready to go. You know, I don't know if back then people really know like it was about. That's what kind of that's that's what it was about. It was about the the silky leathery dally t- <laughs> type. You know, the uh, the slick rig. teenage right. love video yeah. look. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. what we was
0: going for. And the crazy thing was, <laughs> and, and I've I've had this conversation with people like. You could only buy these brands at Eastmont Mall or Hilltop Mall or, you know, like, I, like, I mean, I, yeah, where else? Like, you couldn't even buy the, the the model of that valley was called. I never I never knew this at the time, but the model of that valley was called the Siesta. Right. OK. You could not go to the ballet store in San Francisco. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Or anywhere else. You could yeah, not. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> And you would ask them for the siesta, and they'd be like, "What the fuck is that?" Yeah, you know, and you'd be like, "Yeah, you know the ones, the joints you buy at MB
1: Mall, you know." See, that's that's some that's some real that's some real hip hop history, some real Oakland Bay Area Berkeley hip hop history right there. Yeah, it's crazy, man. And, and MB Mall too. But MB Mall was the other spot where you might be at. It was like you went to Eastmont first, and yes. then you went to Hilltop. And then if they didn't have it you were like okay well we're going to try NB Mall then. Right. NB Mall might you might luck up and they might have
0: it there. Right. So I mean so that carried over. <clears throat> that to me that carried over and I think that's one of the that's also one of the reasons, you know, just as a you know as we value style and appearance so much in hip hop culture. And 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 souls came up at a time when video was immensely popular. You know what I mean? I think to me that was one of the things that carried over into the whole soul's mystique, in my opinion. You know what I mean? That that's that's one of the things that made it so amazing because it was just y'all yeah, were stylish. You, you know what I'm saying? And I, I remember at, at the height, like like probably ninety three, ninety four, ninety five ish. Mm-hmm. I remember this one time for sure. You, me, and Latif went out somewhere right in that in that moment when 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 souls was like the backstreet boys basically right of oakland you know shout out latif shout out out (laughs) latif yeah and we were going out we were going out to a show or something i think it was like grave diggers and alcoholics was performing or something oh wow it was wild like way back right and you were like oh we're going out okay shit i gotta think about this man (laughs) you know how <laughs> you had to put on a and a hat and a big ass jacket and damn near a a, a mask like that and we weren't in quarantine you know what i mean because you I remember did, that i remember that where do we I, I, was, was it like the omni or something like that like I can't remember. it was in the city somewhere in the city you oh, know? okay 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 because you knew that when we were going out you were going to get mobbed you were going to get my, and that happened. I mean, what was that like back then?
1: Man? Oh, man, you, golly, you just took me back. I, I got to sit, I got to sit back for a second and just like take it all in. That's, that's crazy. Cause I don't, it's hard for me to put myself back in that time. You know what I mean? Cause so much has transpired since then. But I do remember that. And I, I think it was more of just like me being shy more, more so than like, oh, I'm going to get mobbed. You know what I mean? It was just me just kind of like being like, not fully comfortable, you know, at with everybody coming up to me and being like, hey, what's up, man? I love your stuff. Da, 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 da. Like it took me some time to get used to being, you know, learning how to like address people that I didn't know. You right. know what I'm saying? And just because more cause that's not my natural personality. My natural personality is a little bit more introverted and reserved. So it took a little while for me to, you know, kind of say, okay, all right, I'm comfortable in my own skin. So I just was like, all right, let me cover up as much as I could but now looking back on that i realize no need to do any of that you, you just go out and a few people are going to say hey peace what up but it's not to the point of where you, you're going to get so mobbed that you can't even do what you want to
0: do or anything I, but i i think the, the the point that i'm trying to illustrate though is that souls was such a phenomenon at that time you you know what i mean like <clears throat> what you guys had achieved it, it it was unprecedented for quote unquote underground hip hop from the Bay back backpacker hip hop from yeah to get signed to a major label. I mean, that was, that was a, I can't even understate how huge a deal that was for the rest of us to watch that happen.
1: I mean, I was watching a documentary the other night cause I've seen the documentary. I saw it from the, from the first time Shamari showed me the director's cut and yeah. you know, I came to tears, man. I'm not even gonna front. Like I, I came to tears. Like I was really just like, wow, like this this really it's not that you take it for granted or anything, but it's just like to see it kind of compressed into this, you know, ninety-three minute format is what he was shooting for at the time. I think it, I think he compressed it down to about three hours at the on that first director's <laughs> cut. And then people were like, no, man, you got you to gotta scale it back. And we were like, nah, man, I, I, you know, I love it. You know, but, you know, from experience in that time and being around in the early 90s, you know, the Bay Area wasn't necessarily known for, you know, certain styles or whatever. You know, even though they existed, it's not like the world knew it existed. It's not like hip hop knew it, knew it existed. It was kind of still the best kept secret of the Bay Area that we had all this diversity and all these, all this, like, talent out here. Yeah. Um, and we kind of got overshadowed by the, the MC hammers and, and, and people like that, that were in, in no knock on hammer. He was, he was so huge. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. That, you know, I mean, he had cartoons and action figures and was on yeah. cereal boxes and all that. So it's no shame in that. It's just that <clears throat> we felt like it's something it's, it's a piece of this story that's missing basically. Yeah. You know? And, and so, I think people were just like, like yourself and others who come from a similar background, were just like, okay, one of us made it. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I think that's really it was it's like we we championed that. You know, we 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 were the flag bearers of a certain fabric of Bay Area society. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to be, I think that's what I'm most proud of when I think back on on that time is that. We kind of um, we were a breath of fresh air for hip hop in general, but also mainly for the Bay Area itself to see like, okay we don't have to be all, you know, pimps, gangsters, players. Right. You know, there's there's a diversity of 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 humanity in this in this area. And it's been like that for generations. It's not just our generation. But, you know, if you look at now, that's the norm, right? It's the norm to have this person all the way in left field, this person all the way in right field and everything in between. Yeah. So it's an honor and a pleasure to be one of those people that that helped kick down that door. And, the, and I think one thing that needs to be, um, always needs to be, like to kind of put things in perspective about that time is, you know, I, was, I sent Opio last night, like the night before last. We were texting back and forth at about one in the morning because I found this old show on YouTube and it was in San Francisco, but it was in like 95. So this is post 93 till success in like, into the beginning of No Man's Land Era, kind So <clears throat> I had sent him this video and it was just a show. And I was like, I texted him, at, I said, yo, nobody's on their phone. Like everybody was just in the moment. The side of the crowd, the side of the stage was just as rocking as the front row. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, people dancing, Walt Boogie was out there doing his thing on, on stage with us. It, it was just like, you don't, you don't see, now you see this. It's yeah. almost like people are not there. They're like, "Let me document this. Let me put this on my Instagram." Let everybody was in the moment, and I, I don't know why I went off on that tangent, but it just, you, you know, since we're talking about that era in that time, that's one thing that needs to be, needs to be referenced is the fact that technology, the world wasn't as interconnected as it was now. So when you went out to the club, you're not going to see, you're going to see people you know, obviously, but it's not like oh let me let me be on my phone and let me everybody was there in the moment enjoying it and so i'm happy we got to experience and experience that in that particular time
0: yeah no i mean i I think that's important to note and i think the thing that was really interesting about hyro in general but souls in particular because you guys had the most focus on you at that moment and in that moment i think from my perspective you know this this depending on who you were a fan of in high road you're going to have a different perspective but from my perspective i mean you guys definitely had the, the most focus on you at that moment and the interesting part was you existed in all these spaces like you just said i mean you were the probably one of the only west coast groups a to get signed, or Bay Area groups to get signed to a major label, number one, right? Number two, you were also affecting hip-hop culture on the East Coast as well. You you know, I mean, you you guys are just part of all these moments, you know, like being on Stretch and Bobbito's show, which is obviously super iconic, you know, for that time period. The Wake Up show on the West Coast, you're sort of in the Bay area, you're in the Bay Area, which is more so known for like the mob sound, as far as the right. way, as far right. as the world is concerned. You know, yeah, yeah. You're on a cover of of the Tribe Called Quest album. You know, arguably their best album. You know that that a lot of people say. So you're 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 in all these spaces. I mean, was it difficult? to like straddle that because at that time there wasn't a lot of cross-pollination, you you know, Mm -hmm. between listeners and fans of those particular sub-genres, you know? Yeah. Was that a challenge Mm -hmm. for you guys to exist in the, in, 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 and navigate that, those worlds? I think, I think sometimes
1: it's advantages to being, to being young. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, That's one thing that I feel like we had going for us in that time is we only someone that's been through life and all of that can really understand that that's what's actually happening. At the time we were 20 years old, 19 years old. We didn't even realize that, that we were just like, we made it. We're on a label and we got, we're doing what we, what we have to do. You know what I'm saying? To be, to like, kind of carve out our space in hip hop yes we were so focused on doing good music everything else was just kind of extracurricular to be honest with
0: you okay
1: like we were just like let's go in the studio and let's create the best album that's out right now Mm -hmm. you know and not that we were listening to everything comparing it comparing ourselves to that but the bar at that time if you ask me personally everybody in souls might have a different bar to me, the bar was set by the crunch. I remember um, we were mixing the, the uh, Souls of Mischief uh, album, the first album, 93 to infinity. And we were at Battery Studios in New York. This is, where, this is in the same building as Jive. So a lot of the Jive artists do their, do their projects in Battery, but Battery is also where a lot of other people do albums too. So in the studio, we were in one, I think we were in A, uh, in B was De La Soul, in C was uh, UGK. And um, we were all in there doing a project. I think De- uh, Daylight was doing Balloon Mind State. We were doing 93 to Infinity. And UGK was doing, um, forgive me, I can't remember the name of the album. But it was the, one that had, um, it was the one that was after Pocket Full of Stones. Maybe they were doing a full record. But gotcha. I would see Pimp C like every day. And, uh, and um, Pops and, uh, <clears throat> mostly Poss and Mace. And you would see um, True Boy every now and then. And, and and uh obviously, people that were on the label like Q tip, and so we're seeing these people all the time. It's like yeah. you know you're just at that point you're like, okay, I'm in this. It's not like you don't feel like an outsider anymore. you feel like someone on, on the inside, so I can't remember who it was. It was either Pimp C or one of one of the daylight guys came in, and they had and they were like, y'all gotta hear this, this is the chronic they had it before it came out now we're in there mixing ninety three to infinity, so we like. Just, you know, on cloud nine, basically like, man, we're mixing the album. is getting ready to be mastered and come out. And right. they came in with the chronic and the sonic quality of that. You know, they were doing something totally different than us. Obviously, it was like, this is the beginning of G-Funk. This is the intro to G-Funk. We had we had heard deep cover was a big record in New York. Let me let me let me preface it with that. So big deep. A lot of people don't know this. Deep cover was huge in New York, a right. huge. And I think deep cover might be the beginning of that shift in the East Coast sound where you where you had Puffy and them say, look, we got to start rapping over these kind of beats in order to keep up with this ball they have rolling out there. You know what I'm saying? So deep cover was huge. And I'm saying that to say, when they brought in the chronic, we were like, wow, like it was a it was a level above Even as much as I love deep cover when when we we just stopped our session. We were like, we stopped our session and listened to The Chronic. Right. And I mean, if we could have gone back and re-recorded stuff at that time, we may have, but the, but it was already a rap sheet. So at that point, you're just like, you're these are our contemporaries. And it's not that you're competing with every single other artist, but at the same time, it's a competitive spirit that flows within all of us in hieroglyphics. So at the same time, we're hearing Casual Fear itself, and we're like, wow, you know what I'm saying? Like, look what he's doing. And, and, and then Extra Prolific, who was down with us at the time, was coming with his stuff. And then Dell was coming with No Need for Alarm. So, like, we're just entrenched and immersed in the music itself. Yeah. All the other things that were coming along with it, I think it was just flying by us too fast.
0: Mm-hmm. One of
1: our monumental moments and, and one moment I point to when people say, what's your, like, what is the moment you think about? And, I, and it's the Souls of Mischief album release party in New York City. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to our DJ, Break B. Lou. Shout out, Break B. Lou, um, Ultimate Beats and Breaks. Yeah. And he was like, I didn't even know him back then, but he was like, yo. He's like, man, the Souls of Mischief album release party is the best party I ever been to. <laughs> Word. Wow. And I was like, the one in New York? He's like, yes. He's like, you couldn't even get in. Wow. You couldn't even get in. Like, like it was only industry people. Like, Das Effects, Wu-Tang was in the front row. Brand Nubian Tribe was there. um I remember having a long, extended conversation with Tribe Called Quest. That's like that moment right there. Like that's to this day, that's still the moment that I go back to when I when I say like we we've arrived. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I saw this crowd, these are all people that I probably saw at the Gavin Convention yeah. years yeah. before. You, you know, years and then here they are watching us now. So it's like it's certain
0: moments that just happen that you say we're we're here we've arrived and, and um you know the, the thing everybody that you mentioned right there that was at that show legends all in legends. their own right yeah totally in their own right right i mean and you can connect the dots
1: between you know all of these people you know sophia chang who was our anr she ends up going with deant going to D'Angelo, then wu tang and then tribe called quest you know Q-tip put, picked out the second single, which was never no more. He was the one that fought for us to go on tour with them. That was our first nationwide tour, being on tour with Dayline Tribe. Yeah, all of those are moments. Every single night is a moment Pricey. with them. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, just to that to me, that was like the stamp of approval and like you've made it. You've you yes. know this not forget a Grammy, forget like a a a, a, a Billboard award, forget yeah. all of that. That. To have your your peers and your you know accept you in your contemporaries accept you in as one of them, that's what you really want in hip hop. You know what I'm saying. So that's we strive for that, and we made it to that bar, and then it was just like, okay, how do you now that we're full, you know, how do you how do you keep 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 pushing and dig up and go to that extra gear, you know?
0: Man, it was, and and I think that following year, I still have the poster here somewhere, man. That that following year, you know. I had developed a relationship in Japan with Manhattan records and a company and a company called Lexington. Yeah. They knew I was from the Bay area, you know, and I I had put out my first record in 1993, you know, and it was a small little independent record. And so they knew just from me being in that area that they knew I knew you guys, they knew that I knew, you know, so-and-so and this, and they were like, you know what? this 93 till infinity album is fucking exploding in Japan. Can you put us in touch with them because we want to do a tour, you know? Yeah. Which we
1: did. Which that did, yeah, that prompted the, the back to school tour. Right. Um, right and right. so that's what they labeled it because it was like, um, I I want to say it was August or September. We went out there. Yeah. And you, and you came along as the, basically as the uh,
0: role manager slash translator slash, <laughs> i was the roadie yeah. i was the towel guy you know I, i'll never forget this toray we were on the road toray was like hey man i need a towel <laughs> <laughs> i was like uh, uh okay <laughs> but no but I, I learned that was so much fun man and and um so so we were in Japan we did like uh, two two or three cities I can't remember. Yeah, uh, we
1: did we did Tokyo obviously, we did
0: Sendai and one- Oh yeah, right, right, right. And I just remember having the, a couple cuz I knew obviously I knew you the best because yeah. we yeah. went to high school together. And I just remember having conversations with you. You know, and this is that this is like arguably the height of high, of high Romania. You know, because Fear itself had come out. Uh, Dell had a few albums out at that, yeah, yeah. Point. You know, and then ninety three till had just come had, had come out a year prior, right? So the crew was just hot. I mean, it was you know there was it was a full on movement. You know, like you said, you you guys yeah. had a yeah,
1: because that was uh that was to, to put it in context, that was summer of ninety four. Yes. So right before school starts uh, that fall of ninety four. Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, ninety three till was definitely at I mean ninety three has had ebb and flow. That's what that's what's interesting about that song. It's like it it hasn't really had a height because it's been like it's had a resurgence. Yeah. And you know what I mean? But as far as High Roll the Collective, I would right. definitely say that summer was yeah, we were all on Jive, all all everybody's music, videos in rotation, right. songs in rotation. Everybody's touring uh, at, some, at some degree, and then we're going, we're, touring, we're going around the world, so we're hitting up Canada. That was our first time. Uh, I feel like that was our first and maybe last. That's probably our first and last international high-row tour. We have, oh, well, not, we have not been over any ocean as high-row since that time. That's really interesting. you have never been to the U.K. as high-row. We've never been. Now, now people have been individually. Souls of right. Casual, right. Dell. We've all been individually and they're always like, when can we see Hyrule? And I'm like, well, you know, whenever somebody's ready to pay for nine or, or ten plane tickets to get us out here. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And then. Yeah. So I'm sure once we get out there, but it, it hasn't happened. So so that's that's monumental in and of itself. That's the only time we've been out
0: there. Yeah, but but what was interesting was one of the, I remember this really clearly, one of the conversations that you and I had was, and I'll never forget this, you were like, you know, everybody's around us, and you're like, these are some of the most competitive dudes I have ever met, you know? That one sentence explained everything to me, all the question marks I had how are these guys so young and so advanced? You know what I mean? In their skills, you know, how have they been able to, to make such strides at a such young age? You know what I mean? When I when I heard you say that and then just being on the road with all y'all at the same time, mm-hmm. it all made sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, because... So I can't remember what prompted me to say that, but it's a it's a it's a fact because you know me coming from um, I always tell people I came from sports culture, you mm-hmm. know. So that means I grew up you know I grew up playing baseball, basketball, swimming, track. You know what I'm saying? And so I kind of had that in me as a as an athlete. You know what I mean? Like you know you always go to win. That's the that's. But then to transfer that into music, that's definitely high roll. High roll is what help me transfer that competitive, that competitive edge or whatever you want to call it into music. And so it's friendly competition amongst crew members
0: for sure. Yeah.
1: And that's what I think that's what kept pushing, you know, because I can point to a lot of different things that when you said you you said that um you know, the advanced aspect of it, right? So I can point to a few different things that that aided in that right it's like you know you got you know Dell is a couple years ahead of us right right so he's already you know when we're still in high school he's already touring he's on tour with ice cube and 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 uh and so he was already ahead of us in terms of like the professionalism and all that kind of stuff right and so and then even prior to that like doing demos with jinx and those guys obviously being older uh uh Sir Jinx, shout out Sir Jinx, who was yeah. you know DJ for Ice Cube and and other many other acts and producer as well, and them kind of like uh, passing down things to us and and also uh, I got to shout out my man Onion, who had a, who had a uh,
0: who had a spot called an Onion Lab in I, Berkeley. I started with Onion. Yeah. Oh, I see. I never knew that. In the ninth grade, it was I started with Onion. Yeah. In- Lab in, in Berkeley High. Yeah, at, at Berkeley, at Berkeley. With with him, Mac Mill, uh-huh, and Roski. Did you, did you meet those guys? Did you ever meet those? no nah, I never met them because see, look, this
1: is my experience with the onion lab. Yeah. Hey, y'all, I'm about to go um to St. Mary's. You know, that's one thing about me is I was driving before everybody. So <laughs> I, I was driving at like 15, 14 years old, right? Yeah. So we lived all the way in East Oakland. But right. I went to St. Mary's.
0: Yeah. Which Ber- was in
1: which was in Berkeley. Yeah. So I'm going to work out at the gym and and I can like I can give you, I can give Cats a ride to the studio. Mm-hmm. So I would just go in for a few minutes, vibe with the beats, and I'm like, I got to slide. You know what I'm saying? And I'm and then I go go to the gym right. and, and do whatever I was doing there. And yeah. then I come back and it'd be like the song would be done. And I'd be like, yo, man, let me get on the song. You know, that, that was my that was kind of like my entry point to Souls, you know.
0: Well let's let's talk about that competitive spirit a little bit because Hyro's had some legendary competition and some legendary battles as well that a lot of people may not know of. Souls battled freestyle fellowship, right? That was Hyro, yeah. Hyro oh, battled freestyle. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I was in that era, so so a lot of that shit was bubbling. for for a long time. Like one one crew was like, we're the best. The other crew was like, nah, we're the best. You know what I mean? And like now Io hooked that up. Who? IO hooks. Did he really? IO hooked, yeah. Wow.
1: Io yeah, Io was um I I can't remember if he went to school in LA or he, you know, he was a little bit I think I was Io in your grade? Yeah. Yeah. So Io was a little older than us, so he was already in college. Yeah. And he just, you know, he had a wide network of folks he knew, and he knew somebody from Freestyle Fellowship, and I can't remember so, um, how it happened other than that, but that was there.
0: For all the West Coast, underground fans, two of the most influential underground West Coast hip gro- hip-hop groups of all time, right? Crews. Yeah. Uh, put me in that room, man, with y'all in Freestyle Fellowship.
1: Yeah, you're talking to the wrong guy. I wasn't there. Oh, you weren't there! I was not there, no. Oh, no! No, no. I was not you there, were? so... So it was. Um, I can't remember, man. Okay. I can't remember. I just know it was at Domino's house. Domino used to live over by um, over by Kaiser, and um, so Domino was there. Opio, let me just say who wasn't there. Okay, so Dale wasn't there. I yep. wasn't there. Yes, Pep wasn't there. Okay, Cash was. Cash was there. I'm about ninety nine percent sure Casual was there. Casual. Casual Yes, OPO Tajay and Snoop. I think Snoop. Okay. okay, I'm not sure about Snoop, but I think Snoop Oh my was
0: God! There. I thought you were there. I, I, this was something that I've been. It's on my. It's on my sheet right here. Asked about freestyle fellowship, like that was something for fans like myself. You know, I'm kind of
1: glad I wasn't there in a way. Now,
0: <laughs> I'm kind of glad because. I don't have to answer the question like somebody who was there. <laughs> oh my god! But that, but that wasn't the other one either. You know, I mean, there was, there was the the high rivalry with Hobo Junction. I That's-
1: tried to, I tried to make it. Me and A Plus. Um, I had a cousin who was visiting me from Chicago at that time. Okay. And from Chicago of all places. Yeah. And and he's like, "Y'all, what's happening? Is this some beef?" And I'm like. Kind of, sort of, but not really, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, but just, you know, come and ride with it. And we ended up, uh, I think I went to go pick up A+, and we're riding out there to San Francisco, listening to it on the radio, sound like it's getting ready to be more than just rap. You know what I'm saying? Right. And um, and we got got
0: out there, and it it got,
1: yeah, it turned into something that we're not proud of at that point. But um, thankfully, nobody got hurt.
0: For sure, and I mean, this is all part of Bay Area history, man. I mean, this is all Bay Area hip hop history, and obviously, every you know, shout beer, shout to the who. Rock, this is all, you know. Obviously, we're all grown
1: men at this point. Yeah, right, 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 right. But it's, it's water under the bridge right now. I mean, it's like it happened, and you know, you got to realize a lot of people don't realize we were we were all friends. Yeah. Before this happened, so we were. Hieroglyphics was shocked from this from the standpoint of. Yo, I thought we were cool. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And so, but we kind of, we saw that it was an angle more so than just like, oh, we're not cool. Let's battle. You know, it was a little, it was a little more to it than that. So, you know, I just, when I look back on it, I just thank God nobody got hurt. Nobody got, didn't escalate into a physical situation because that would have, to me, that would have tarnished the whole legend of it if somebody actually did get hurt. You know what I mean? And it stayed on wax.
0: Yeah, and I was there at Casual Show when Saphir showed up. I was right. there at that camp. Get- at the, right. kennel, club at the kennel Club, yeah. Which became the Justice League, which is now the Independent, you know what I mean? Um, I was there and and it was sort of and I was cool with everybody, you know, and I was cool with, you know, with both sides, but it, the, the point is, it just illustrates how competitive hip-hop was and rapping and MC yeah. Was at that at that time. I mean, it was vicious, you know.
1: Yeah, just at the yeah, level. It, it was it was the gladiator mentality back then. It was like everybody, and then especially us, everybody was coming for us because We were targets. We you were target. Were, not only were we targets, but we were we were talking like we were the best. You know what I mean? Our our whole language was we are the best. No, we're unstoppable. We're untouchable. Nobody could. And, and a lot of people were like, hold on, we can't wait to. I remember having a um. I remember when we went on tour, yeah. And uh, I remember having a, it was extensive conversation with um Tribe and De La. and they were they were like they were kind of like yo man y'all, I'm telling you like, it's gonna be people y'all gonna have to battle every night, right? And we were just like well, let's go, you know what right. I'm saying? Like that's why we yeah. here. Like, yeah, we were like we're we're the opening act, you know. By the time you guys go on, we already battled four or five dudes back, you know backstage yeah so that was um that was what it was about and freestyle it was about the freestyle for us so that's the whole caveat in that battle is you know and it it was talked about for some time and it created a debate between off the head and written and how you approach a battle and those you could do a whole class on that on that on that battle really and just really really digging into it and and like saying you know because it was really improvisation versus Pre-written stuff, right? And at the time, the average person doesn't know they don't know the difference. The difference, anyway. So they just hear the face value of it, right? But I think we all learned a lesson in that, yeah. And you know, on both sides of it, and yeah. It's a fear too, you know. But yeah, man, I'm I'm proud that I'm proud that those those moments happen and you know, Sway. Obviously, shout out Sway, yeah, for being one of the champions of of. The real what i say I say the real I know it's it's kind of a a washed up term now, but you know people say like the real the real hip hop or whatever, which is yes, lyricism and originality and and that yeah. competitive nature at right. its at its foundation you know right. it doesn't mean you doesn't mean it doesn't extend beyond that, but during that time, we weren't trying to write you know. Something for everybody, and a radio hit, and and, and a nice song for the show, and and,
0: you know we weren't trying to it hadn't compartmentalized like that yet, right, right, and and you know it's interesting when you talk about like this sort of mentorship that tribe provided, you know, and and that like and ice provided, you know, to yeah, yeah, man, we're lucky. I mean, you're learning from the best of the best, you, you know. And it, it when I hear and, and that was the effect, I think they obviously saw something in you guys, you know, that we all saw, you know, and even to this day, I'm sure I have to bring this up. This this was so incredible for me to hear. This was when Andre 3000 did his interview with Rick Rubin. I, I know you heard about this. And, and yeah, yeah. And the moment. He was talking, and this is not the first time I've heard legends say things like this about you guys in interviews. But he was like, he said Andre was talking to Rick Rubin. And he's talking about how he had a conversation for hours with Eminem about Souls of Mischief in 93 till Infinity. You know, then I remember years ago watching, it was some MTV something with kanye and he was like walking people through his history right "Retail infinity comes on you know and he's like these guys were a huge influence you you know on me how does that make you feel when gods of the game feel this way about your work and you guys
1: i'm gonna say this and i'm gonna be totally honest with you i know how it sounds but i'm not surprised because, and I'll tell you, and the reason why is because you got to realize, we, first of all, not just how long we've been doing this, but like, we've seen the progression of artists that, for, give me, let me give you an example. Eminem opened up for us in Detroit. It was us, Boot Camp Click, and Eminem. <laughs> and, Eminem and Eminem went on first. Eminem gave us his demo and was talking and was telling us about how he was going to fly to LA to go on his radio show, mm-hmm. and he was nervous about it. Wow! And so this was the radio. This turned out being the radio show that, you know, Dr. Dre heard him and and, and the rest is history from there. Right. So I didn't personally have a discussion with him, but I got Eminem's demo with his phone number on it. I still got the I still got the cassette tape that wow. he gave that he gave me. Wow. And so I um you know we met Outkast way back in the day. I was I think I just like tweeted this like. Um, I, I had a talk with Rico Wade, who was with Organized uh, Noise. I mean, right. and he, this was around 96. I had, I, I, I had honestly went down to visit Shakir mm. for the 96 Olympics. Mm. Shakir was like, you can stay with me, D. We, you know, this is, this is like, yeah, I'm going way back now, but. Um, the 96 Olympics. The 96 Olympics. And I went and, uh, and Shakir was kind of just getting his foot in the door doing what he was doing. And somehow he hooked me up with Rico or, or we were, went out somewhere and ran into Rico or we, we would just be kicking it with different cool dudes out there like JD. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot of cats in Atlanta back then at the time we was kicking it with. So it wasn't it, like, it was a small network of people. And he was just like, man, I remember having a meeting with him. And he was like, yo man, Outcasts love y'all. And, and we want to sign y'all because we had just got off jive. Right. And I was like, no, we're starting our own label. Yeah, um,
0: we hadn't started it yet, but I was like, "Wait, or wait, wait." Organized Noise wanted to sign Souls. Yeah, yeah.
1: Organized I had, noise. I had, yeah. I had a meeting with, I had a meeting with Rico Way and I had to tell him no. I had, to, I was like, "We're starting our own label, but if we weren't, you know what I'm saying? Like, we love. I was telling, him, we love everybody in High Road who yeah. Loves y'all, you know what I'm saying? Of course, yeah. Um, and I've actually met Outcast. Sophia Chang had introduced us to Outcast at the Freaknik in ninety four or 94, I can't remember which one it was. I think it was 94.
0: Yeah. And yeah.
1: um and they, she was like, it's this is group, they want to meet y'all. And we met outcast we met outcast back then. Yeah. Had no idea they were outcasts. Trust right. me. We was just like some dudes from that. I think um maybe Southern Playalistic was maybe just kind of scratching the surface of of uh video airplay or whatever. But since since that point, mm-hmm. you know you have the top 25 videos on Rap City where the artist comes in and they give their top 25 and Outkast's number 1 video is nine through 10 infinity. Crazy. Um and then, you know, I know I know those dudes, so I ta- I you know, I talked to I talked to cats, you know, time and time. You know, I know I know that they're fans, so it's not it's not a surprise, but it is with all that being said, yeah. Outkast went from being Outkast southern playlistic to like just this group that just went into the stratosphere like you know what i mean like they progressed into something that's like right you know i mean they're one of the few groups that like their their second album totally eclipses the first one and the first one is is a is a classic to me you know what i'm saying so to do that and then keep going up i mean they're outcast bro like like you know
0: yeah yeah and and i mean so so that's kind of a pivotal moment now you're off jive Organized noise is offering to sign souls. You're like, no, we're going to start our own thing. We're going to go independent. And I think that's something, that's a pivotal moment, man, because to me, hieroglyphics has been as much, not only a cultural and musical phenomenon, but it's also been an economic strategy as well, you know, in, in my opinion. Like, you guys were the first to do merch on the level that I saw it done. You know, they, like you guys were the model for how to do for how to do merch. You guys started a label, obviously, and having looked back, you bought a building that was huge news in the town. Oh, Hyro bought a building. You hear about that shit? Mama? You you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and and now obviously there's Hyro Day, which is probably one of the best attended festivals in the Bay Area, regardless of genre. You know what I mean? What is the mentality behind that movement, that strategy? I mean, to put it in two words is group
1: economics. I mean, that's, that's really what it came down to. It's like, let's sit around this table and let's figure something out because we can jump back, starting with the label stuff, right? So we can jump back into the same situation or a similar situation with a major label. We could have done that, yeah. but it had soured to us. It's kind of like you get over that hump and you're like, okay, obviously we got the talent to, you know, we can make a project that a label wants to get behind and all that kind of stuff. And right. even though like one thing that made that known to us is like Jive records who we were signed to, they completely shifted gears from the Jive right. Who they that they were prior to us being signed, right? They went
0: backstreet boys. They, they went
1: backstreet boys, they went Chris Brown, they went Britney Spears, insane. they went in sync, they went ninety-eight degrees. They went that way, right? And so how do we fit into that? Oh, they also the one urban guy who they kept was R. Kelly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he was like kind of like a joke at first in the R and B world. And the only reason I say that is because, obviously, he's gone on to Let's not talk about the, the R. Kelly, the person. Let's just talk about him in the music, right? Yeah. So, in the music, he was looked at as, for all you guys who don't know R&B at that time, it was a group called Guy, okay? And the lead singer of Guy was a dude named Aaron Hall. So, it, so if you know, know the name Teddy Riley, yeah. New Jack Swing. all So, Guy, they had a big, they were a huge group yeah in our age you know what i'm saying and yeah. and so he he was looked at a lot as a as a uh aaron hall right copycat i'm I'm gonna speed up so with that being said, he goes on to have major success so much success that he's the breadwinner at Jive, and he's the he's the guy who is basically funding all of our projects right with his projects you know what I'm right. saying, and so at that point they realized, look this is where the money is and the people on the label like Tribe. Tribe was already disgruntled, if you ask me, when we first got there. Mm. You know, judging from my conversations with them. Right. You know, they were like, "How'd y'all keep y'all publishing and all this kind of stuff?" Yeah. You know, KRS-One. Um, you had people like Steady B. Yes. Um, Too Short and E-40 already had independent followings, so they yeah. they were and, and they didn't have East Coast. Their records weren't selling on the East Coast right. like that. You know, maybe Short. But for the most part, it was the South and the West and everything in the middle. Yes. So they didn't necessarily need jive. to. Our sound was a little more bi-coastal. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, if they can't get us right, you know what I mean? Right. What, what's, the, what's the next logical move? And we yeah. didn't want to... You know, you got labels, they start to all sound the same after a while. After you talked to one, two... We had already talked to two labels prior to being signed. Yeah. After you talk to two or three of them, it's the same language with different jargon and, and and lawyer comes back to you with the same thing. We're just like, hey, this is where it's at. Let's go this direction. Let's go in the direction of doing everything ourselves. We know what to do now. Yeah. We've been in it. We've seen that touring and they also discourage touring, man. That's what, that's what was crazy about it. Like let me let me just that's, say that's that unheard of right now. Who would discourage
0: touring? I never do this usually when when Instagram Live cuts off at one hour. Mobile homies, it's yeah, done. it's done. It's done. That's gonna happen here in a second. I would okay. like, I would like, if you have time, I would like to continue yeah. the conversation. I never do okay. this, it's really interesting to me. So, can we do this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's you want to jump out and jump back in now? Or, yeah, yeah. So, okay. I'm gonna sign this one off and then I'm okay. gonna up again. So, everybody, tap it, tap back in with me and Festo D in a minute, okay? All right, man, I'm back. I'm back. Cool. So, we were talking about exiting Jive and then so the idea is planted how did the idea get planted to start hieroglyphics imperium from that from that moment so at that time
1: this is the you got to throw in the advent of the internet right because (laughs) yeah this was like i think the first time i saw something like i think tajay was doing it tajay was at stanford so i think he was doing a test or something and he was like I just got to do- I think we went up we were on tour I'd go up to the room and he's like yo I got to um you know finish I got to turn this test in. Mm-hmm. I think it was like his midterm or something like that. Yeah. And I was like how you doing a test on your computer? Like mm-hmm. can't you just steal the answers you know what I mean? And he was like no this is like happening right now it's this thing called the internet and da 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 da. Yeah. And I was like Really? Like you know what I'm saying? Like I think that's the first memory that I have of somebody saying those words to me to the in- the internet. Yeah. And um around that time, this dude named this is fast forward a little while, a cat named Stinky from Philly. Shout to Stinky. Yeah. yeah. Um started a uh website, basically. Well, we were like a website. <laughs> Just a website? What the hell's oh. a
0: website?
1: A web site right yes huh? yeah well, there's the World Wide web and then you have right your own space in this right. huge and we're like okay yeah and so he was already a, uh you know you know he was already a computer scientist right at that time and, and took it upon himself to start this website and it, and so he kind of push forward the idea of us having our own space outside of our warehouse down in West Oakland. Yeah, You know, uh, we were sharing a warehouse at that time, and um, it's kind of blurry to me like what things happened first before the other, you know what I mean? Like it's like yeah, so much was happening, but um, that was one of the things that like we said, okay, well we can sell our, you know, t-shirts and cassettes, and, and we're doing everything you know, you know, checking the mail, you know, that kind of thing. So it's just Shopify before, before Shopify, you're doing everything, you know, this is, this is pre Napster. Yeah. This is, you know, all of that.
0: I think it's also, you know, just to provide context also in that, in that time, I mean, this was what, like mid, mid, late nineties, mid nineties, late nineties, somewhere around there. I mean, what this is
1: like 96, 96, between 96 and
0: 97 right yeah. so just just to give context especially in the Bay Area there were a lot of independent record back then you, you, you know what I'm saying a lot Come of on. hits you know it. there was Stone's Throw was still in the Bay Area at that time that was like sort of the beginnings also the Bay Area independent underground hip hop movement I think Benny B had started ABB ABB yep yeah. no doubt Obviously, Soul Sides and Quantum. I mean, we've been doing our thing there for a minute. Yeah. yeah. All the mob. I, th-
1: I think in- Busted Records was still around, which was but- MC, Hammer, MC yeah. Hammer's label. That was an independent
0: label. Yeah. Sick with it. Well, I think Sick with it probably had a deal at that point, right? Sick I mean, with had a
1: deal with that. Yeah, definitely they had a deal at that point.
0: Yeah, because I, I do want to. You know, once we kind of get past this, I do want to ask you about the jive days a little bit because it's kind of interesting to me, man. You know what I mean? So you you guys step out of this major label situation and it was just kind of in the air also that, oh, it can be done. You can go out and start your own record label. You know what I mean? And you can succeed and you can sell and you can tour and you can, you know, you can, you can, you can, you know what I mean? So that was kind of the context. That's kind of the historical context that y'all are, are entering into at that moment mm-hmm. was it scary it was it
1: it was because you just didn't know like you're like, okay, we don't know, we're kind of walking into a dark, dark room in some instances, you know what I mean, yeah, and you don't have that machine behind you, you are the machine right, so you know the basics, but you don't know all the little nuances of. So there's gonna you're gonna hit some you're gonna hit some obstacles you're gonna hit some roadblocks, and then at that point you got to rely on your network, right? To kind of push you through and say, "All right, you know, you gotta, gotta be able to use that Rolodex." You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and so, I think it was scary, but once, but still, we're still young. Yeah. We're still young, so we just knew like we want to press up our music and we want to get on the road. Yeah. And.
0: We had made a lot of contacts prior to Did I hear you say that Jive had discouraged you from touring? Or they were anti-touring? Or explain that. Well, to tour, you need money, right? Yeah. And so that's what I mean by that.
1: You know, if you're going to go on out on the tour, yeah, go ahead. But, you know, at the, they had, I don't know, does this term even still exist? Tour support? I remember tour
0: support. Tour yeah.
1: support was like, you know, we got our, we got our deal. All these these our budget is partitioned into these different things. So one is like video budget, then you got recording budget, and then you got you want tour support to be in there because
2: yeah.
1: um you know a lot of people I, like I I thought when you first get on the label, they just that comes out of their money or something. Doesn't work like that. If you wanna if you That's wanna true. press we wanna press up high roll shirts and sell them on the, on the road, they don't do that that comes out of your pocket right so you're thinking you're gonna get this advance and go buy a new car or whatever it is and you find out later on oh you know you might want to reinvest in yourself here and do this that or the other so these are the things that you learn about kind of after you get get you on that on that on that platform label
0: platform yeah okay so and also your four guys You know, it's four dudes splitting up in advance, splitting up a guarantee, splitting up the. You know, it's
1: yeah. Once again, group group economics.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, so did you feel like okay, let's give it a shot. Let's go indie. You know, we know we got the fan base. We know we got the contacts. You you know, hey, other people are doing it too. You know, maybe it's possible. You know, I mean, like how? I mean, you're
1: getting like so little off the. You know off the dollar, off the record, and you f- let's just put it in mathematics. You know what I'm saying? Let's split up let's split up an easy round number like 10. Yeah. Okay, with a major label, you're going to get how much out of that 10? You're right. probably going to get between $1 and $2 off of that 10. Right. You know, and so we're just looking at it like, well, if we press up everything or are we look, just it's simple math. Right. It's going to cost me this much to press it. And this is when physicals are still going. Right. Physicals are going. There's no digital option here.
0: Records and CDs. You know what C- I mean? At vinyl and CDs.
1: Vinyl, CDs. I mean, and so you might as well print up posters. Not, all this stuff still mattered. You know what I'm saying? There is no digital thing in your hand that you can just... That's not happening at that time. You know what I mean? It was all about physicals. It was really a lot about vinyl and... The easiest thing to mail was was uh, was cassette and CD. Right. So it's also the easiest thing to bring on the road and all of that. And we had boatloads of it. And we just we say oh, we can get it for this and we can sell it for this. And that's pretty much you, you referenced the building earlier. Yeah, that's what the build. That's how we bought the building. The building is from the um, the payback from Third Eye Vision. No label gave us that money. Our fans gave us that money. Yeah, that's
0: crazy. Our fans built that building. You know what I mean? so so let's put that into perspective three to four years at 93 to infinity right souls casual dell extra prolific all find themselves no longer in that major label situation right is that right right collectively you guys say let's start putting out our own records no thank you organized noise you know for offering us a deal no thank you xyz major label mm-hmm. we're gonna on our own third eye vision comes out i remember when it came out it was huge as an independent album it was huge right i think it did you guys did like over 100,000 copies yeah right yeah.
1: over 100,000 and part of that that was part of the incentive to start the label it's like hey we don't have a record that we all i think people that gets lost a little bit in the history of hieroglyphics is that there was no hieroglyphics, the group
0: Mm. record. There were songs prior to that
1: point. Yeah. Yeah. There were songs here and there you had burned and you had um, limitations. You have various other songs, but there was never like all of us on, you know, like we're going to make a hieroglyphics record. This is the intro to the, to the, to that. And also this is the,
0: the springboard for the label itself. So, I thought that was brilliant. I thought just as I, I remember watching that, you know, from my seat at Quantum, being like, that was a brilliant move, you know, like as, as a first album to come out with independently. I thought that that was the smartest thing that three guys, those or four guys, four, uh, four, bank, four groups in that position could have done. I thought that was so smart, you know. Anyway, yeah, continue. So we were already a little bit self contained. Right. Anyway,
1: like most yeah. people have a manager. Your manager most of the time is like a guy who's outside of the first of all, not a musical person, right. a guy who's probably ha- has maybe used to do music years ago, manages other groups. Right. You know, uh, uh, the, the background could be all over the place. But we were we, we were self-contained in that regard because yeah. um, so I got to give a shout out to Domino because Domino was heavily involved with the production of all yeah. the all the uh and was kind of thrust into a managerial position not so much because he was like I want to be the manager but because we were like well dude you're like 22 years old man we're 18 <laughs> <laughs> I mean you have the you have the wisdom of a 22 year old you know you're he- oh right 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 yeah. so that was uh you know it's like he was kind of the big brother
0: yeah
1: of the crew you know what i'm saying and and he was domino was brought into the crew actually through dante ross mm-hmm. so yeah. dante
0: ross shout out to dante
1: yeah yeah shout out dante ross dante ross was the A&R for dell and the, and uh you know cube was kind of like oh you my, my cousin dell does music and then uh he ended up getting dell signed to electra and then Dante was a bi-coastal dude back then. I think his dad was in San Francisco and he lived in New York, so he would come out here and he would go to frequent this record store, um, Groove Merchant, in the city, and somebody introduced them. And then he's like, "Yo, well, I know these dudes from Oakland, uh, you know," and he he brings them over here. This is before we're out, obviously. And then, um, yeah, so so Dom is comes in with this like. He, he adds like a completely different element to the crew, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, production wise, you know, everybody was doing stuff on like an EPS and an SP12, and he comes in with like this Casio sampler that was like, yo, what is that? You know what I'm saying? Like a VCR, you know what I'm saying? He used to, <laughs> the, but he had smacks, he had heat. And um, so he was a musician first. He wasn't, he didn't come into the crew like, I want to be the manager. Right, he was a music. He was a musician, and then he got thrust into that role. And so he would be the li, he was a liaison, pretty much between with him or, or lawyer Michael Ashburn. Yeah, were you know like the tag team duo. Yes. Um, liaison between the groups and the label. So they had already kind of got their feet wet with all the label biz, and gave us the opportunity to pretty much just be artists. Right.
0: At, like and, and I remember, like I was introduced to Do- like because Domino's the only one that's not from Oakland. You know what I mean, right? And so was and, and he's kind of the to my knowledge, he's the only guy that like didn't in one way or another grow up with the other guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And when I met Domino, he was introduced to me as the manager. You know what I mean? And so, um, but I always did sense as time went on that was sort of a reluctant thing for him. You know what I mean? Like he, he sort yeah. of had one foot in one foot out. Cause he started as a producer, you know what I mean? And I always saw him as, you know, shot the domino because, you know, I always saw him as kind of like the glue in a lot of ways. Like he was sort of the Swiss army knife of Hyrule. Like, you know, he was the producer. He was the manager. Then, you know, sometimes I would even see him DJ. Like was I saw DJ. Him. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? He covered,
1: he covered a lot of ground yeah and and um that's once again that's like that kind of is what high is about you know what i mean yeah. like cats just being like for whatever putting putting whatever they want to do aside because when you're in a group you just have to kind of be like that you have to be like okay one person might be more outspoken than the other and they're gonna you know, certain things are going to happen, and then you you got to kind of humble yourself and be like, okay, well, I guess my idea wasn't cool then, you know. And
0: <laughs> right. That's, right, that's that's part of I mean, the you, dynamic.
1: You, you know, this you're in, you're in a larger larger group. You're a solo artist, but you're also in a larger collective, right. and so you know, like, you know, yes. it's a lot of lot of different things at play, and certain yes. people are,
0: quite frankly, better than things at others th- than others. For sure, I mean that's another thing that's interesting about y'all i mean every crew every squad every group has its internal issues that i mean this has come up time and again on on mobile (laughs) homes this is time and again you know and i can speak to that personally as well it's how you manage those issues that determines your level of success your longevity you know it's how you navigate the personalities mm-hmm. the weaknesses of every member you know that keeps it going and and how far it can go you know and yeah. that's right i mean it's so interesting like i said i mean hiro is to me is just as much an artistic and a and a musical phenomenon as it is an economic strategy you know because You take all the fans, you take all the experiences from the major label situation, which now looking back was a very short segment, a very small sliver in time for the Souls of Mischief group and for hieroglyphics. You know what I mean? It was a very short period. You know, in the great. If you're looking at the pie graph, I mean, it's like this much. Yeah. Right. And uh, so you take that moment you bring it into the hieroglyphics Imperium independent moment, you know, mm-hmm. which is still, which is still the moment, you know, then those games become a building. And now we're into this period where it's Hiro day. And I just had that same feeling when I heard Hyro day was being launched. What is it? Eight, eight, nine years ago now, nine, 10 years ago. How long? It's nine. So next year will be next year. will be 10. 10. And I've played three high row days in various different configurations. You know? Yeah, because you were at number one, right? You were at, at the, the first one. Yeah. I was at the very first one as Lyrics Born. I did one as Latirix, me and Latif. Yeah, that was a year before
1: last, I think, or three years ago. Now. And, then,
0: and then I did Quantum MCs with uh, Gab, Latif. So I played three high days, you know what I mean? And I I, I got the same feeling when Hyro Day was announced that I got when I saw Hyro had made the decision to not re-sign with a major label and to start Hyro Imperium and do Third Eye Vision. I got that same feeling. I was like, these guys are fucking brilliant. You know what I mean? These guys are fucking smart. Because I immediately saw that there was a need. As soon as you guys announced Mm -hmm. that God, why, why didn't I think of that? That was there's a fuck, there's a void here that they are gonna fill instantly. You know what I mean? So now explain that. Like, how, where does the impetus come from? What, what what was the catalyst for starting a festival in Oakland?
1: Man, it was um, <clears throat> you got to credit Casual right off top, you know, because he was kind of he was the the one who thought to. Transfer the idea from just an idea into an act, and 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 have it materialize. You know what I mean. Even though yeah. everybody helped it materialize, he was the one. He was like the catalyst. Um, but there was a catalyst before that, and it was a fan. I wish I knew the fan's name. Somebody suggested that nine three, which is September third, yeah. be high road day. We didn't come up with that idea for as, as I understand it. Yeah, and. I want to say it was a Twitter thing or whatever was out at the time. And then it went from just, oh, yeah, that's dope. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a dope idea. 9-3 yeah. Herald Day, yeah. And then Casual took it from that to like, well, let's turn that into an actual... Let's do a party. I think it was just... Let's just do a little party. You know? And then the idea just got bigger and bigger. right? You know what I mean? It's kind of like and in, in it's kind of like as a as an artist, you start off with like, "Let me just write a rap. you know what I'm saying? Let me just try to yeah. write a rap, and then that yes. rap turns into a a song or a hook or whatever, and then that yes. turns into a song and then then that song turns into an album, and that album turns into a full discography and stuff so that's 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 kind of how Hyrule Day was. It started out as that seed was planted that that nine nine three Hyrule day seed was then it just got bigger and bigger, even on the first one, we were still just kind of like. Hey, we're just going to just do a little something downtown. You know what I mean? And then we started calling people up like yourself mm-hmm. and saying like, man, would y'all want to, you know, just rock a little short little set. We're going to have a stage out there. Right. Um, the new pairs was on board. So they were like, y'all could use the inside of the new pairs. If y'all want to do anything out there, even though we had the idea to make it a more of an outside, right. bring your family, bring your kids kind of thing. Right. And then I always tell people I went home actually, and it was around two or three in the afternoon. And um, I was like, yo, this is, this is dope. My whole family came and everything. I was like, I gotta, I'm going to run home and we're going to perform later. So I'm going to run home and grab an extra change of clothes. And I live about 10 minutes away. Yes. When I came back, I think I came through like the backside of the new parish. And I came out the front. And when I came out the front, I was like, why is everybody not moving? Uh-huh. Because I couldn't, I couldn't see outside the new parish. And it was I was coming out that side door. But everybody was just kind of stagnant. And then once I got out there, it was a crowd from the new parish. I could see all the way to where uh, the Oakland Art School is, yes. and that was all packed. And the street was packed. And I was like, "Oh my god!" And it looked like it, I think at that point it had to be between six and seven thousand people there. Right. Wow. It was a sea. It was a sea of people at that point. Yep. And I think that's when it hit me like,
0: "Yeah, this can be something." You know. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, and I think two two things that are for me very personally significant three things that are very personally significant for me about high road Bank, right number one the curation it's some of the best i've you know i've played every festival i've played coachella i've played Lollapalooza. i've played outside lands you know at all the little yeah. i've played bonnaroo some of these i have played multiple times i've played yeah. all great festivals right and we all know that the curation is really and the experience is really the key Yeah, there, the, there is no festival like Hiro. There, it, it, it's almost like it doesn't matter who's hot you know it doesn't matter who is charting you know or who's doing the most streams I mean you know you guys have been able to pull people that have done that for sure you mm-hmm. know but it's clearly curated by fans of the music.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think um, I think the first thing is, you know, not to play semantics, but um, it's not really a festival. You know, because when you think of like a music festival, you have like certain, I don't know, there's like a corporate kind of thing that comes along with it. You know what I'm saying? Because that's where they get the money from to pay for these Rage Against the Machine, you know, you know these people that are going to charge you, six, you know, six figures and up. So it's something to be said for keeping things grassroots. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's I, I hate to bring this up, but I wish that it could have stayed as a free festival. Mm-hmm. Because you got people who wouldn't normally come out to a hip-hop I'm calling it a festival because that's what, that's what it's being called, but they wouldn't normally come out, but you know, the, you know, the East Bay in particular, Oakland, Berkeley is not like that. Like if something's going on, it's close knit. Like people are going to find out. Yeah. Like somebody's going to text you right now or something and be like, I'm at the lake, whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's cracking over here. So you don't have to be like, Oh man, how much money do I have? You know what I'm saying? Or who's there or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Who's playing? Oh, and, and people just would would just show up. Unfortunately, due to um, you know logistics of things and like production costs and stuff
0: like that, that just made no financial sense whatsoever. Because it, I, we knew it was inevitable. I mean, you can't. Yeah. How can you have something at that magnitude and not be and, and have it be free? I mean, I just didn't see yeah. how sustainable. You know, I mean, yeah, it it, t- it would
1: take a boatload of, you know, sponsorship. Yeah. And they would have to come in and say, you know, well, we're basically going to just pay for this whole event. But the production costs, even with even with us charging, the production costs still outweigh what the revenue from the event is anyway. So it's like doing it for free is just we're just left with a tab that is mind boggling. So we we, (laughs) we couldn't keep it. We couldn't, you know, we couldn't do it that way. But I mean, that's not to. Lessen what what it what Hyro Day means. Obviously, Hyro Day is is more than just like, look who's performing. Oh, the lineup is dope. no da no, Nah, man, it's way more than that. It's like yeah. a place where you can bring your family. Vendors come to us like, yo, I've never sold so much shit. You know what I'm saying? I've never sold so many t-shirts. I've never sold so many falafels or whatever whatever it is they're selling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, uh, i've never sold so much incense whatever it is they're selling you know i
0: think this is a good place as any to announce to the world that uh hiro falafel does exist <laughs> each falafel ball has the logo on it you know you get three to a pita no i'm sorry so it's Go.
1: actually a hero and it's called the hero glyphics that's what it's called <laughs> the hiro hero <laughs> the hiro hero yeah, exactly
0: that's right. what it is, the high road hero.
1: Yeah, you heard it here first.
0: So, so the other thing, you know, I said there were three things about high road day. Number one, the Bay Area needed it. Number two, the Bay Area needed it. Okay, that I mean, there's nothing really more to be said about that. The East Bay, in particular, really needed it. You know, uh, I think it's it's so important for the Bay Area it, at large, but in particular, I think it's really important for the East Bay because. You know, sports teams, obviously, are leaving, you know. Right, right. I mean, mean, the roots came in, which is great, you know, the soccer team. But Mm -hmm. by and large, there's not enough activities for young people in the East Bay, you know, Uh, and uh, or families in the East Bay that have those interests, you know. This is something that as I get older in the game, number three, that i see as being very important you know like i said i just ran off a list of all the large festivals that festivals that i've been fortunate enough to play you know in my career there have been many many more small city regional yeah. etc as you know all, all over f- the place all over the world all over the country Road day is the only festival? Let's just call it that because of the sheer number of people, tens of thousands at this point. You know, every year, you're, you, you know, you guys, who knows what the grand total is over nine years, right? But I play a 100, 125 gigs a year, festivals of all kind, every size, prior prior to the pandemic. Pyro Day is still the only festival that I've shown up to where a person of color signed my check. (laughs) Yeah, right. Okay. If I got a check that year, you know? Right, right, right. (laughs) Let's be honest. Some high road days I did not get some high road
1: days you were like, all right, all right, all right, man. Just I'll give y'all
0: a little time. (laughs) Right. But to this day, okay, This is the only festival I have played in a 25-year career, right, where the curation, the ticketing, the promoter, the settlement was done by a person or a team of color, okay? That does not exist in our industry. People don't realize that. That does not exist in our industry. And this another reason why I tell people Hyro Day is so important. Not just as a... And why hieroglyphics is so important. Not just as a, a musical vision, not just as a, um, a, a a an aesthetic, but as an economic vision, you know. And that, to me, that is what has made, you know, the souls of mischief and the the hyra legacy for me as a fan and as a friend you know um so special you know and i think i think i want to leave it at that you know i mean we could talk forever you know yeah well i gotta that's that's perfect man because i got
1: i gotta shout out my grandmother who's uh today is her 95th birthday hey I'm gonna. I'm getting ready to run by my grandmother's man and uh, drop off a few things to her. And um, man, but this was, this was great, man. I needed this. This is good for my soul right here. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Thank you, man. And I, I really appreciate you doing this, man. And, and like I said, I never go beyond an hour, you know, but there's just this story and this journey is so interesting and so important, not just to me, but you, you know, you guys have so many fans uh, uh, within the industry and obviously outside and, and what you're doing is so much more important than just music, you know? So yeah. I just want to say thank you for doing this with me, my old friend. Thank Fes- you all for coming. Thank I'm looking, so- I see all my peoples in the, in the comments. Yeah, thank you so much. From Souls of Mischief and Hieroglyphics, Festo D, clap it up with my God. Yo, thank you for listening to Mobile Homies. Make sure you subscribe and hit me with a five-star review on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you catch your podcasts. For more content, hit up LyricsBorn.com. Love y'all.